Hello, uh, my name is Miley Wong and I'm First Vice President Portfolio Manager at CIBC Wood Gundy and author of Smart Risk, Invest Like the Wealthy to Achieve a Work Optional Life. I live, work and play and raise my family in Vancouver, British Columbia and show my global clients how they can think differently about risk so I can help them in turn live the life they've always wanted. Almost every day it turns out I meet with people who have questions about retirement. You know, often they have questions about their current situation and are looking for a better way to secure their lifestyle in a very risky and uncertain world. And they seek me out because they are searching for leadership, credibility, connection, and a way forward to retire and live the lifestyle they've always wanted, the work optional life. For more than 15 years, I've been doing what I was born to do and help leading others to financial safety and security. And the challenges I've overcome in my own journey have taught me a lot about resilience. Today, as a result, I help see past the emotional fog of investing and embrace volatility in a way that allows me to take some comfort in risk. My purpose is to help others take smart risks to achieve a deeply rooted state of strength and financial security. So I created this video series of podcasts to address some important matters about your wealth proactively starting new conversations, revolutionary conversations about risk, investment, and retirement living. I want to motivate people like you to embrace action, first to think differently, then act differently when it comes to making financial decisions to achieve your purpose and goals. Because I believe there is a better way and that your wealth matters. In my Amazon best-selling book, Smart Risk, I created a roadmap a smart risk investing roadmap that I'm going to show you here today to help people think differently and achieve their financial purpose and achieve what I call the work optional life. So this is a roadmap that has five key guideposts. I'm going to show it to you here. So as I was mentioning, the smart risk investing roadmap really starts with understanding your purpose. And the other guideposts include people, plan, perspective, positive action. Today we're going to discuss one of the key guideposts at the very beginning of the roadmap, and that is plan. So this is something that's actually part way through because we want to assume that you've already kind of considered your purpose and the people. And the plan portion, specifically the investment plan, is so important. You know, as global markets become more and more interconnected by international money flows, economic policy, technological advancement, it's becoming more and more challenging for individual investors to consistently earn a good return for the amount of risk they're willing to take. So more and more we find that it takes a sound, disciplined approach to investing steeped in quality research to remain on the leading edge. Put it back to us. Here we are. So how do we do this? Well, that's specifically what today's podcast is all about. Innovations in investment research. And on our show today, I'm so pleased to share with you, we have a very special guest, Mr. Sacha Pradiman. Sacha is the Director of Research from Cirrus Research, a leading boutique research firm in New York City dedicated to delivering objective, 
innovative analysis and insights to professional investors. I've had the pleasure and honor of knowing Sacha for more than 15 years, having been introduced to him as a mentor when I started my career in New York City. So Sacha, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit more about yourself and what Cirrus Research is all about. Sure. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Miley, and uh, thanks for inviting us to speak here in this uh, forum. Um, Cirrus Research, we opened uh, in 2007. We're about 10 years in now. Um, we focus primarily on um, equities research. We're built really around supporting active portfolio managers. A lot of the research we publish are for professional fund managers that really are very, very invested in equities. Uh, prior to the, the opening of the firm, I was at Merrill Lynch for about 18 years. And uh, in that, uh, in that, it, where I was at, we, um, we headed the uh, small mid-cap research there for institutional clients. And basically a lot of the work that we're doing here, a lot of the birth of some of these things that we're in the thick of right now started in early years at Merrill Lynch and, and other Wall Street firms where I worked. Um, a lot of the focus has been about what are opportunities in the equity marketplace, what are sectors and industry that make sense, where are the risks in the marketplace. And so broadly, uh, the Cirrus team, you know, we basically build out all sorts of comparisons, dashboards to allow portfolio managers to know where they're at in the grand scheme of things, where they may want to take more risk, where they really want to avoid. Um, so yeah, the, the effort is always ongoing. It's a pretty humbling business, this nature of research. But um, it's, there's some super stuff we get to do, and I think we work with some of the smartest clients out there. Absolutely. So, Sacha, what are some of the, I guess, limitations that you found from traditional sort of off-the-shelf products that exist, especially for people who are looking to live a sustainable retirement or achieve that work-optional life? Uh, great question. I mean, I, I feel that the sort of off-the-shelf toolkits that are out there are missing, you know, one terribly important element, which is context. Um, as you said it earlier, and in your book, you know, it's a fairly interconnected place. And uh, there are all these specializations in the world of finance that, unfortunately, it's not really you could pull down, go to one website, and, you know, you could read it and just follow it like a, a, a recipe. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of considerations, I think, um, that investors need to bring into play. Um, like for instance, we are invested, you know, we really look closely to equities, but as an investor, the question of asset allocation, tax mm -hmm. policies, all these components, currency risk, these things bring in a much more richer dynamic then I could say that go to this website and you're done. Yeah. So I do think there's quite, quite a bit of like framing out or hand-holding along the process to understand what the client's goals are. Absolutely. Well put. So I'm curious, how, do you, how does your research help investors make better decisions? Um, I would say that we really operate at two levels. One, I would say start macro. Uh, this idea that um, you know you want to understand 
you know, where are where are their opportunities and profitabilities that are accelerating and where are they decelerating. So to understand classic markets, regions, sectors, just to understand those comparisons where they're going gives you a really good insight into how to, let's say, focus the work. Another subset of the job is really building the tools to monitor these, these let's say, conditions. So uh, quite a bit of effort here is put, placed on examining years and years of time series around sectors and industries. So from a top-down standpoint, I really want to be able to get you to knowing that maybe consumer discretionary stocks are cheap, but spending patterns seem to be awfully weak, therefore, you know, be careful. Um, so on the, on the top-down side, I think that's super important. The other side of it, though, is that as strategists, uh, it's also beholden on us to also give much more concrete guidance. So some of the work is also bottoms up or at the stock level. So even if I can get you to, let's say, um, computer software firms, at the end of the day, I still need to get you closer to which names. So a lot of the effort is also spent on modeling stocks, creating expected returns around single securities. Somewhere between the top-down work, some of the risk models that we run, and then finally the, the stock level ranking, somewhere among those three components really is the deliverable product. Sure. I mean, especially in today's environment where there's so much seems volatility, how does this approach work in a volatile investment environment? Um, at the end of the day, I think um, it gives you context. The idea that if you've got a volatile environment, do you have any signals that allow you to um, capture what chapter you're in in terms of the marketplace? And um, so some of the tools we'll build out allow us to sort of gauge how extreme conditions are. Um, I'll give you one example. Um, for instance, um, we built years and years back this risk appetite model. And sure. that is something that, that is fairly valuable to understand that, hey, if stocks are running to new highs, what we have learned is that when the risk appetites spike to unusually high levels, <clears throat> there's probably a time there that you want to take some profits, maybe lower the risk in the portfolio, lower your portfolio beta. Right. So uh, that is an example of one tool that we'll use. I'll, I'll, I'll put this up on the screen sure. um, for you. Um, So what you're looking at here, uh, this left panel, do you see that? Yeah, that's great. Great. So this is what we call the Cirrus risk score. And basically, it's a, an amalgam of variables that we, we gather and we model of a given marketplace. In this case, this is a US curve. But basically, it showed that last year sometime in the late fall, risk appetites had spiked to some unusual levels and then currently what this is saying to us is that risk appetites appear to be benign. So as much as this environment appears to be very aggressive right now, this is actually telling us that you know things appear to be still uh, behaved, behaved enough to let our strategies continue to run their process. 
That's encouraging. <laughs> uh, I, yes, uh, absolutely. So, um, but basically, the, um, the 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 models that we build and run, they really are. Uh, they allow us to basically interpret our signals more smartly, and absolutely. allow us to really deflect risk or shun risk, or maybe sometimes embrace risk. Right. Absolutely. Now, financial markets have undergone a lot of innovation over the past few years with technology, um, you know, more and more research. Can you tell us a little bit about the impact you've seen and how your process is adapting to that? Uh, sure. I, I mean, I think um, the, te the changes in technology are fairly invasive. It's affecting all sectors, all industries, financial markets, financial sector, financial services are no exception. Um, I think for the most part, um, it's tremendous. I think the investor mm -hmm. wins. I, I do believe that we are now able to collate, gather data, look at dashboards of in, of lots of signals to to make sense of what's going on and yeah. so to some degree um, investors win because there's a lot more transparency in assets they own mm -hmm. um, some of the costs are being driven down because you're just not going to have as many bodies trying to get you this information so I think investors in general you know they really win because of technology, um, th there's a downside to this as well. For instance, um, you know the, the the sort of adage of more is better isn't necessarily true, and so the the sort of skill that's needed here is important as well. Which is just because you have more information doesn't mean you have to act on every piece of information. So it gets back to this idea of um, context, experience, advice that. You, you want to take advantage of this material, the new knowledge, the new information, but you need to place it in context. So I do, I do think net though, it's a very positive change to the way uh, the industry has, um, has evolved. Absolutely. It's, it's so crucial, the point you made about the abundance of information. It's almost like the real uh, opportunity is to be able to filter through and find the signal within all that noise. So I'm curious, Asha, then maybe you can tell us a bit about some of the latest research innovations that Cirrus has developed and how do they affect the way that smart portfolio managers today can make decisions? Uh, great question. I mean, I think um, in terms of, um, you know, the, the sort of tools and the context that have come out, um, one, you know, we are now able to monitor changes in um, a lot of signals more quickly. So, yeah. for instance, if I, uh, I'll put this back up on the screen um, here, let's see, let me uh, do that, this uh, exhibit here to the left, okay. what you're looking at there is a, is a very, very, uh, very easy to interpret uh, chart that shows if I were to think about what types of stocks are leading in the marketplace. Uh, this is an example of the stocks that are called leadership right now in the larger cap market. To the right represents leadership in the mid-sized marketplace. So uh, it, it, net um, 
tools like this allow us to really think more carefully about what kinds of stocks or sectors we want to focus on in a lot of our work. Um, in addition, um, and I'll, sh I'll put up another slide, in addition, what uh, we, we continue to do, and uh, this is steadily evolving, uh, is a look at some of the global work we're doing. These are examples of additional tool sets that we've built out recently. And uh, I know this slide looks like an Othello chart or a skateboard. <laughs> it is not, I assure you. Um, but what you're looking at here in the very top row, I won't go into all the details, but in the very top row, um, the red boxes signify overvalued markets. The green boxes signify undervalued markets. And blue is basically sort of neutral. But what this type of data allows us to do is to quickly assess where in the, you know, where in the marketplace we see opportunities and risks. What's also okay. here are these sort of sector level cuts to say, look, if Latin America is very discounted, what sort of sectors are driving that? So here I can tell you if I, if I come down vertically, consumer discretionary, financials, real estate, utilities appear to be especially discounted. So uh, that um, is another example of some of the tools that we're, we're you know, we're always uh, building and constructing, um, but the innovations that we're, we're looking at um, tend to work across stocks, across regions. That's cool stuff. Really neat. So for Canadian investors in particular, I mean, maybe you can tell us a bit about how this innovative global research can help uh, shed light for Canadian investors in particular. Yeah, um, I, I think um, if, you know, you're looking closely at each of these regions and each of these sectors, in every market <clears throat> you're going to find opportunities and risks. And if we are to better understand the Canadian marketplace, to understand that potentially, let's say, technology stocks in Canada appear to be very expensive. Okay. As an investor, it doesn't mean you should shun technology completely. Maybe the right question is, where else you know, in the world are there technology stocks that appear to have better value? Mm -hmm. So um, to some degree, on you know, thinking about one's portfolio domestically is important, but then figuring out where there are some weak spots and addressing it maybe across markets also become, um, you know, risk reducing and more opportune. Mm -hmm. So uh, I do think that the domestic investor, irrespective if you're in Canada, U.S., you should always be thinking about, you know, do I have to assume that all the sectors and all the industries in my country are the best in terms of the mm -hmm. investment uh, picture? And there is an adage about, you know, uh, good companies making good stocks, and mm -hmm. it's something we think about a lot in in as we look at markets and sectors. That, to some degree, great companies can make great stocks, but if the markets are very efficient, the question then becomes, who else is left to chase that stock? And mm -hmm. so that's really where some of the tools come in. So even if we can agree that you know, maybe some of these hot technology stocks are great companies, you know, are their valuations off the scale? 
And so it does come back to something really elementary of don't assume that a good company is a good stock. And sometimes a good company can be a really awful stock. So it, it's, it's this balance that we try to strike. Great insight. Sacha, you know, so many great insights you shared with us today. Um, you know, if I were to just, I guess, sum up maybe kind of three key highlights that uh, I've heard uh, from what you've shared is that, one, um, really a sound, dynamic, yet disciplined approach and investment strategy based on really good quality data is a key to successful long-term investment results. Two, make sure you cast a wide global net to find opportunities, especially in today's uh, investment environment. Um, and three, really, uh, I guess innovations and in research are required today to really stay on the leading edge um, and find investment opportunities that make a lot of sense for the long term. So um, I really hope that our listeners today, um, you know, can and glean some of these for their own uh, benefit. And I really wanted to thank you, Sacha, for taking the time uh, in New York to be with us today and to share with us these innovations in research. Um, do you have any closing comments for our listeners today? Um, first of all, thank you very much. Um, it's been terrific partnering with you and your team. Uh, I do think that as much as we provide research to clients, I think sometimes our clients' toughest questions become our better research. So I do feel as if it's really been a team effort where your challenges, when we focus on them as a team, we're also learning and evolving. So it's been a wonderful, you know, hopefully a very fair exchange uh, of, um, of work. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure, Sasha. I'd like to thank you once again. And also take a moment to thank our audience for listening today and watching this video series. And should you have any questions, um, feel free to follow up with us here at the Wong Group. Um, and we'd love to engage and talk more. So please join us next time on our next podcast as well. Thanks again. Thank you.